0: Welcome to the podcast M&A War Stories. You're joined by your hosts, Robert Heaton and Toby Tester. Each week, we walk through our experiences of M&A projects where we've been involved and we unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our purpose is simply to leave you with valuable lessons that you can use in your M&A projects. And so let's not waste any more time and get
1: this podcast underway. Hey, Toby, how are you doing today? Very good, Robert. Let's see, it's been, uh, summer is here, I should say. We had incredibly hot temperatures a couple of weeks back, but uh, it was like 45 centigrade. Um, It goes from sublime to ridiculous, doesn't it? I know. In the old scale, that's about 113, 114. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but anyway, we've had a beautifully sunny weekend, and today was no exception. It's been a beautiful sunny day. Similar here
0: in, in Melbourne. Now, last week, uh, the topic we spoke about got us on to leadership, and mm. and it was, you know, about responsibility and accountability. Mm. And and it got me thinking on on two fronts. One was an experience I had with a a senior executive, and I'd Mm. like to talk through that. Mm. And it it made me question, and it said, do we actually do enough to develop senior managers?
1: You know. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting topic there, Robert, because I, I, and I think obviously the story you're going to tell, but it's about people who obviously very successful at what they do, but can get themselves into a position where they're suddenly thrown into the deep end and, and do they swim or do they drown? And it, it confronts all senior managers and leaders and including ourselves, Robert, you know, where you, you're thrown into a position where you just sink or swim. Exactly, and you can think of companies like GEC,
0: Mm. led by Jack Welch, and and they did an enormous amount of work in terms of an internal management program that purposely was focused on developing and preparing (laughs) and bringing managers up through the ranks, but they're actually few and far between. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to talk about the experience I had. Hmm. and what triggered it was i'm just going to this isn't the purpose of today's story but i'm going to talk about a topic that's really close to my heart because also what triggered this was i had a conversation with some people a few weeks back and we were discussing the challenges of managing mental illness in the workplace yep and how ill-prepared most managers are to deal with it hmm and at the time i sort of said well yeah absolutely and we really need to do a hell of a lot more so managers know uh, how to recognize and how to deal with mental illness but then hmm. i went on to say most managers aren't even trained in cpr and first aid yeah yeah uh, and these should be standard programs that everyone aspiring to a management role should
1: and it- yeah it's, it's an interesting one certainly Robert, because um i think in the workplace context with so much stress, you know, put on uh, senior managers and leaders, that mental health does come to the fore. It, it's something that we've all, one way or another, got to contend with, but it, perhaps not all that well prepared for. It's it's a topic very close to my heart. Mm. I had an experience
0: of, uh, a number of years ago now, but a young lady that was working in the business where I was started to show what you would definitely say were mental health issues. Hmm. And over a period of time, these resulted in some bizarre behaviors in the workplace. And we were completely powerless to do anything about it. We we were asking if she was okay and we we got a sharp, of course I'm okay. Don't worry about me, stop bugging me, sort of thing. And Hmm. it was clear to everybody, including blind Freddie, that she most definitely wasn't okay. And the the problem we faced and managers face today, if somebody walks into the office tomorrow morning and they say, I've I've just fallen down the stairs and I think I've broken my leg, you immediately turn around and go, right, okay, let's get you to the hospital. Let's make sure you get the right treatment. But if somebody in your workplace is showing, example, mental illness, Hmm. you can't do that. And it's a major, mm. major, anyway, yeah, no, interesting. it's a side issue. Yeah. Uh, this particular topic is uh, really about just basic preparedness for leadership. And so let me tell a story. Right. And I'm, I'm going back a, a good 12 years, probably longer. And a young sales guy walked into a new job and like all sales guys, he was eager to succeed. And and it wasn't too long before he demonstrated a natural ability for sales. And it was no surprise when a couple of years later, he was promoted to a sales manager role. And, you know, guess what? He excelled in that. And four years later, there was a sales director's position came up, and, and he was definitely in line for it.
1: Right?
0: Mm. And and he took on that role with gusto, and he earned the respect of those around him. And this was a global business, so he was also getting the respect from people around the world. And so it was no surprise when three years after that, he then became sales vice president. He continued to be recognized, and he continued to excel in his role. And then all of a sudden, the country CEO role opened up. Right. And he was promoted with great fanfare. And he was lauded by many people as a shining example of how this organization promoted from within on hmm. the way to the top. Right. right. To, to anybody observing, this was a classic success story of the young sales guy that had walked in 12 years ago and was now the CEO.
1: It's an interesting one, Robert, as you tell it, because obviously this person was incredibly gifted when it comes to sales. Exceptional. And he is promoted, you know, into sales roles. But then this final promotion is into CEO. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily a sales role. uh, True. And I would also say that whilst he was gifted with
0: sales, he was also a great people manager. So. The sales teams looked up to him and respected him in his role as vice president, and it got them to perform exceptionally well. So he's been promoted. There's lots of rah-rah. There's plenty of press releases and so on. And fast forward a couple of months, and I was walking past his office one morning, and he called me in. And he got this absolute look of desperation on his face. And his opening remarks were he said, Rob, what do I need to do? And I I thought, What do you mean, what do you need to do? I was flabbergasted. This was the newly minted CEO. Yeah. Asking what he got to do. And in the best way he could, he explained that all the positions that he'd had to date yeah. had been purely sales focused. This is picking up on your point you just made. Yeah. And there was a bit of HR and financial basics tagged in, of course, because he was vice president. So you'd expect that. Hmm. But he went on to say that in all of his sales positions, there was always someone else to take the hit if things went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he was in the big chair, the responsibility stopped with him. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And he went on and he said, I'm responsible for sales, finance, legal, governance, IT, I don't know how to manage those parts of the business. What can I do? I've got decisions piling up on my desk, and
1: I don't know what to do. It's an interesting one, but I, I, I think it's actually quite common for this to happen for, you know, for leaders and senior managers to get promoted and all of a sudden get promoted to a level where they don't have the knowledge and skills. Yeah. to manage the full repertoire of work that's required of them. And look, it, 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 it must be something quite common, I, I imagine. And also quite a lonely situation as well, because they often say that being a CEO can be a very lonely exercise because it all comes back to you. People are looking to you for, for answers. Many, many years ago, I, I was only a young kid. Yeah.
0: I took on a CEO at one time in a bit of an argument, right? Mm. and this ceo I, I turned around to him and i said it's all right for you i said you just sit in your office and throw orders out i said you try running a manufacturing plant mm. and this ceo turned around at the time and he said okay rob i'll swap Right? <laughs> and i i stupid enough turned around and went okay done right yeah <laughs> now the quick answer to that was of course that Two days later, I was absolutely drowning. Yes, and of course, my production plant that the CEO had gone to run, right? uh, Of course, he knew how to run a manufacturing plant. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) all of the guys in my place were going, "Oh my God, the CEO's running the business now, right?" Yeah, productivity went up and. About this message is that I, I, and that's what we're saying here, I'm going to come on to this, is that organisations don't do enough to prepare the rising stars mm. for real leadership. Yes, you can send them off to do an MBA. Yes, you can put courses on, leadership courses through HR, but you've got to do something real. Yeah. So that was the point. His, his dilemma highlighted an issue that's prevalent in many companies Mm. in his case I I sat down with him. but I can't even tell you why he asked me whether it was just Mm. to be passing the door at the time but by by his own admission he said that in his prior sales roles he'd managed it and his words were 80% art and 20% science
1: right
0: and he suddenly realized that he was now in a job that needed 20% 20% art and 80% science exactly the opposite you can't run a
1: ceo's position by the seat of your pants no it's not like that no there's a lot of there's a lot of process there's a lot of management reporting a lot of kpis yes it's there is and obviously the finance etc yes with this- a lot of data
0: yeah, a lot of data. You see, a lot of things was now. So we've gone through two months of his being in the new job. We've had all the rah-rah. We've had all the press releases and so on. The honeymoon period's over. Yeah. So I, I thought th- that
1: was who you were looking for. Was it the honeymoon period?
0: <laughs> period's over, right? Yeah. And regional directors and executives around the world were starting to see the cracks appear. And they were openly questioning whether they'd made the right choice. In appointing him to the CEO position. So mm. he was definitely under threat. Mm. Now, what I did was I've had the privilege in my career of working with some extremely well-respected executives who had gone on and were now providing real executive coaching to future leaders. Yep. And I knew a couple of them. And so a couple of phone calls later, I'd lined up meetings with two of them. Right to the new CEO, and basically the the thing was go and have a chat with these guys, go and have dinner or whatever, see if you like either of them, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and we'll we'll get something organised. And he, he, he came back. One of these particular guys resonated well with him, and so they settled into a, a discreet weekly coaching and mentoring session, offsite. Right, right, right. wasn't wasn't announced to anybody, and the purpose was. One to help him through his immediate challenges, and two start to build him for the role that he was now in right I'd have to
1: say that the results started to show almost immediately what out of interest Robert, what what was the what would the executive um, coach doing in this particular circumstance so the the executive coach wanted to understand the business strategy
0: and and what what we were trying to achieve mm really this particular coach was there to listen and offer guidance and advice not to give him all the answers yeah but to basically just question him and as you would expect a good mentor to do yeah and this was taking place at the ceo level an offsite and really an agenda that was agreed between
1: the two of them each week Robert, it reminds me, there's a, there's a well-known quote by uh, Peter Drucker, who said that really that management is all about human beings. And the task is to make people, max, about people making their strengths, maximizing their strengths and making their weaknesses irrelevant. Yes. So in other words, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. What we've got to do is play up to our strengths. as this guy, he's yes. very good in sales and so and the related things to sales and their weaknesses. And we've got to try and make those weaknesses and sort of, like, make them not so critical, you know. Absolutely agree. And
0: in in this particular guy's case, in this particular CEO, the results started to show initially in his persona right, and his confidence around the office, hmm. right? You, you could just see that a weight had been lifted off him, right? And then later on not too much longer you know two two months probably three months you saw his willingness to start steering conversations on topics outside of his sales expertise
1: interesting, interesting. right do you think it was partly because he had that sounding board that person to Absolutely. you know to check off against you know i'm sure it was
0: this particular ceo was clearly floundering yep he was supremely confident. If you put him in a sales environment, even mm-hmm. then, as the CEO, right, he came back to life again. But it was wow. topics outside of that that he really struggled, and and of course had never been exposed to them. He'd never had to make decisions or steer strategies in IT and legal stuff and finance and so on, right? And and so, but bit by bit it became clear that he'd risen to this challenge, that he was taking on the mantra of a strong leader, and he was performing well. And (laughs) I'm going to be cynical here, Mm. because if you want a measure of success, the best measure was that regional executives further up the tree started to, t- to voice their approval of him and take credit for having made the right appointment in the first place.. <laughs> <laughs> and what I've got to say is just to close this off, is that that's probably five or six years ago mm-hmm. right this particular CEOs continued to grow in that role. There's been a notable improvement in the local business, but better still, there's a new program in place to develop future leaders, and he's the champion of it.
1: Very good, very good. Is that it? Is in his own organization? Is it? Yes.
0: Okay. And he. The important thing is, it's not something that he's handed to HR.
1: Hmm. He's the, yes. Right. It's, it's it's interesting because those sorts of things need to be done in the business. It's not for HR to to do. Hey, um, HR can play a role in this,
0: hmm. and they can uh, administer
1: and apply governance. To- yeah, they can facilitate the thing, but the actual leadership and guidance obviously has to come from the management.
0: Yeah, and this this particular guy now actively runs coaching sessions and mentoring sessions for his own upcoming leaders. Okay, right, very good indeed. And in fact, every so often, that executive coach that I introduced him to now appears as a guest on development sessions for upcoming leaders in the business.
1: (laughs) To be honest, it's, it's it's a very interesting story robert and and one i think is pretty common as well with ceos coming in and obviously floundering and getting that necessary executive coaching what do you think we should learn from this story Look, in this
0: particular case this guy was fortunate he was well fortunate or insightful um, whichever way you want to look at it he was ill prepared he called for help right now i would I would stick man and hazard a guess that he asked me because he did not want to expose himself to anybody else higher up the tree. Mm. Mm. Possibly, right? But when when help was offered, he accepted it willingly and he committed himself to being successful and taking every bit of help that he could get. So I think there's three takeaways for this. I think senior executives, we've got to take responsibility and accountability. That's coming back to last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For encouraging and championing leadership development programs in the business. Right. We've, we've got to recognize that there's a gap, and that if we really want well performing senior executives, we can't just rely on them sort of picking it up on the way because they're good people. You've got to put some sort of proper development program in place. Mm. That doesn't mean giving it to HR. Mm. That's just what I've said. A senior exec's got a responsibility to play an active role in that program. Mm. You've mm. got no, no, I I totally agree. You've got to coach and mentor others. Hard one experiences will be academic or theory programs any
1: day i i agree totally it's funny you mentioned that rob because it, it's so critical that it's very easy to come back with theory and academia but i tell you what it, it doesn't, doesn't wash it doesn't, doesn't wash <laughs> now
0: having said that People and culture, which is the posh way now we call HR. Yes, yes, it's called people and culture. Yes, it is. You're right. (laughs) Uh, They equally need to be pushing for organized leadership development programs that properly prepare people for leadership, right? Like I said, HR can play a valuable role in helping craft those programs. They can play a valuable role in applying the mechanics and the governance to those
1: programs. Indeed, yes, yes, yes.
0: But. It is themselves have got to play an active part yes. in really delivering the coaching. Right, right. And, and I think the third point is if you're an aspiring leader coming up through the ranks, you actually need to be campaigning for a development program yourself and, and pushing that in your business.
1: Indeed. It's really just helping other people who are climbing, climbing the ladder and making sure that the, the ladder's there for them as well to climb up and not, not take it away. And I think
0: think I've got one last point, and that is if you find yourself in a leadership position that you're ill-prepared for, there's one simple thing to do. And what's for that? Ask for help.
1: Indeed, ask for help. That's That's an incredibly good story, and one I think very common as well, as I said at the beginning, that with people who are very competent and capable in a certain area, whether it's in sales, whether it's in another area, maybe finance, to be promoted up higher to the point whereby they don't have all the skills necessary to perform that role. Yeah. And that's where they need that active support to help them through. And in this case, it was executive coaching, which has played such a vital role in helping senior leaders flourish in their position and it, not not be found to sort of flounder or, or, or fail, which is… Um, that's, that's the word I was going to use, if you think about it. If you
0: don't put those programs in place, we set yeah. people up to fail. You are. You're indeed setting people, people up to fail. Yep. Yep. So I agree. That's my story for today. Do you want to close us off?
1: Yes. Uh, Robert, well, anyway, great story. And uh, Robert and I will be back again next week with another MA war story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'd like to say from up here in Sydney, it's goodbye from myself. And it's bye from me. Okay. Goodbye, everybody.